All right, well, um, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8 and Mark chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and Mark chapter 6. And we're going to continue a series that we started um, several weeks ago called Limitless. Limitless. And, and what we've been talking about is how we can really live a life without limits. And I know we're in a world that has limits. Um, but the Bible says while we live in this world, we're not of this world. We're from an unlimited kingdom. We serve an unlimited God. And I want you to believe that you can do everything that God says that you can do. You can be who God says that you can be. And I don't want you to limit what God can do in and through your life um, by saying, well, if, you know, if I had a different family or if I were from a different family, I had a different education, I had a different job, if I had more money, if I lived in a different neighborhood or a different city or whatever the case may be. I don't want you to limit what God can do in your life because God can get you anywhere from anywhere. Do you hear what I'm saying? If you remember, King David was just a shepherd boy who was really not thought of very well in his house, so much so that when the prophet came to anoint a king of all the sons of Jesse, David wasn't even thought enough of to invite to the ceremony. He was out in the field tending the sheep. But you know what? When no one else knew where the king was, God knew where the king was. And David went from a sheep pastor to a palace and God can get you anywhere from anywhere because he's just that powerful. Amen. But you need to believe that God can do anything in and through your life that he says he can do in and through your life. And we've been talking about Israel and how they came out of Egypt, just like we come out of sin. They came out of Egypt and and God brought them to this border, if you will, of this promised land, which represents our inheritance in Christ. And, and, and God had a word for them. Hey, I'm going to go before you. You can go into this land. Um, you can, you can, you're going to, this is your possession. This is your inheritance. It's all for you. I'm going to drive the enemies out. But they didn't go in. And because of that, they spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. And so we've talked about this idea that, that they limited God. In fact, Psalm 78 talks about how Israel limited God. And they said they tested God again and they limited the Holy One of Israel. They limited God. And what we've talked about today is that God is not limited in your life. God is all powerful. God can do more than you can ask or think right? If you're experiencing a limitation today, you need to understand the only thing that can limit God in your life is you, right? God still has the same power. He's still given the same promise, right? And so if God is limited in your life, it's not because he's not God. It's not because he's not powerful. It's not because you don't have a promise and it's not because you have an enemy. The only thing that limits God in our life is us, and we've been talking about how Israel didn't, they didn't walk into the promise and how they limited God. And we talked about the fact that they limited God by what they believed. And then we talked about they limited God by how they thought. And then we talked about how they, that they limited God by what they said. Hopefully you were here last week, or if not, you caught that message on um, YouTube or however you watch it, podcast, wherever. Um, but hopefully this week you have started saying some different things and maybe stopped saying some other things, right? Okay, three of you, good. That's what I, a pastor's dream is that everybody applies the message. Um, but if you miss that one, you should go back and check that one out. It will change your life. The Bible says we can stop, we can, we can keep our life from calamity just by what we say or don't say. 
right? I mean, the Bible says that the power of life and death is in the tongue. You, you should go back and listen to that. But this week, I want to talk about another way that they limited God. And so we're going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 8, and then we're going to jump to Mark 6. But Deuteronomy chapter 8, um, this is interesting because this is the second generation to come to the promised land. So the first generation couldn't go into the promised land, and so they spent... Um, uh, 40 years in the wilderness. And so that generation dies out and then God raises up a new generation. He brings them to the edge of the promised land and are to the border of the promised land. And now he's talking to them in Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse one. He says, be careful to obey all the commands I'm giving you today. Then you will live and multiply and you will enter and occupy the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you or your an and your ancestors. He did it. Now watch this. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone, but rather we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We do not live by bread alone, but we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, I'm just thinking, if we used our holy imaginations, wouldn't it make sense that if you brought a generation to the promised land and then they didn't go in, that when you brought the second generation right before they went in, you might talk to them about how the first generation missed it so that they don't miss it in the same way. Wouldn't that kind of make sense? And so here God brings his second group and he's like, okay, listen, right here, this is where they went south, right? This is, this is where they missed it. Be careful to obey my word. Let me say it another way, honor my word. Be careful to honor my words. And then he, then he even gets to me a little more emphatic. He says, because you don't actually live by bread. Bread represents sustenance. Um, right, all food, right? Most people have to have it. Did anybody eat today so far? A few of you ate today, maybe. Okay, if, okay some of you are fasting, obviously. But anyways, um, how many of you will not raise your hand no matter what I say? All right, that's honestly, yeah. So, um, but, <laughs> but he said, more important than food. Now, I want you to just think about that because I would, I'd venture to guess that probably for most of us, food's pretty important. It is for me. Like, I, I like me some food right? But he said, more important than food, like you don't actually live by food. And we know without food, you can starve to death. Like after 40 days, your body starts shutting down if you don't have food. But, but we know that, that food's important to us. But he says, hey, more important than food is the word of God. In fact, he said, you don't actually live by food, but you need to live by every word from God. Let me say it another way. You don't actually even live by what God has said. You live by what God is saying. Right? Like, like this is, to me, what he is expressing here is, uh, and I'll call it this, say it this way, it's this, this honor the word of God. See, they didn't go into the promised land because they didn't honor, they didn't revere the word of God. They didn't honor the word of God, so they didn't obey the word of God. And for me, this is one of the things that, that I want us to see is this correlation between honoring the word of God and stepping into or receiving all that God has for us. And, and my concern and my burden today is just that, is are we really honoring the word of God in our lives? Because now if I were a meddling preacher, which I'm not, I'm a nice one. 
But if I were a meddling preacher, I might ask you this week, if we all say we honor the word of God, um, let's compare the time spent to eating with how much time you spent taking in the word of God. Now, see, if I was meddling, I would ask that question. And for some people, that might even bring some conviction. But I'm not meddling, so I'm not going to ask that question. Right? But if we say, well, we live by the word of God, do you have a word from God right now that you're searching out? Are you studying the word of God? Are you listening for the word of God? Because I think the life of a believer is just this. We live from word to word. We live by the word of God. We cannot live by yesterday's word. Right? We can't live by last weekend's word. We have to live by the word of God. I want you to see the the correlation in the fact that they didn't enter into all that God had for them because they really didn't honor the word of God. They didn't live by the word of God. So uh, just two points today. You could write this one down. The first thing I want to talk about is the impact of honoring God's word. The impact of honoring God's word. We just read it, but it said that you don't live by bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Um, see, the first time Israel didn't honor the word of God, so they didn't go into the promised land. I want you to see that connection because they didn't honor the word of God. They didn't go into, they didn't have faith to walk into the promised land. Now, if you're there in Mark 6, let me show you something. Because I think the first thing that honor, honoring God's word produces in our life is faith. The impact of honoring God's word, number one, is, is faith. In fact, in Mark chapter six, we have this interesting account where Jesus has been preaching and they're all impressed by it. They're like, wow, this guy preaching, this Jesus guy who's preaching, like he preaches like he knows what he's talking about. It's kind of interesting because the word was preaching the word. But, but they're, they're astonished at it. And then all of a sudden, Bubba Ray says, hold up a minute. I think this is Mary's boy, the carpenter. And then all of a sudden, they're mad. They went from happy to mad. And now all of a sudden, they don't want to hear what he has to say because they're familiar with him. And then Jesus responds and listen to this response. Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town. In other words, he's honored everywhere else but his own town. He's honored everywhere else among his rel- except among his relatives and his home. And verse 5 says, he could do no miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And then verse 6 says, and he was amazed at their lack of faith. Now I want you to get the picture. Just leave that scripture up just for a second, guys. I want you to get this picture just for a minute. That here we have... Jesus, right, God's son, who is preaching the word. In fact, Jesus actually is the word of God. John 1 tells us in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And and if you read that scripture in your Bible, you'll see that word is capitalized because it's a proper noun. It is actually a name of Jesus. He is the word of God. And so here we have the word of God and they essentially are not honoring the word of God. And the result of not honoring the word of God is a lack of faith. Do you see that? Like it's in, since we're in a kingdom where everything comes by grace through faith, then faith seems to be of utmost importance because God says that, or, or the writer of Hebrews says that without faith, it's impossible to please God or to live the life that God's called us to. You can't live it without faith. And here we see that when we don't honor the word of God, the result is always a lack of faith. 
And so when we honor the word of God, the, the result then is faith, right? The Bible says faith comes by hearing. This is Romans 10. Faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. Honoring God's word, hearing God's word produces faith. Do, do you see that? Hebrews 3 tells us about the first time Israel missed it when they didn't go into the promised land. Hebrews 3, verse 16, it says, who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Poor Moses. Was it not, I'd hate to be angry for 40 years. Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would not enter his rest, if not those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because they're unbelief. Now, time out before we go to chapter four. So you see, they didn't enter the rest of God because they didn't believe the word of God. They didn't honor the word of God. Now, what is the rest of God? It's very important we understand this because the Old Testament is kind of the New Testament concealed. The New Testament's the Old Testament revealed. In other words, the Old Testament gives us pictures and types of shadows of what was to come in the New Testament. And so the promised land is actually not talking about heaven. The promised land is talking about the overcoming life of the believer when we by faith step into the rest of God. In other words, everything that Jesus has provided through his finished work. And now we are resting in it. In other words, I'm not trying to be made right with God today. I am righteous because Jesus who knew no sin became sin so I could become the righteousness of God. So today I'm not trying to earn a relationship with God. Today I am freely receiving the grace of God and the gift of right standing with him. Are you with me? Today I'm not trying to earn blessing. I am blessed right with Abraham because of Jesus. That's what the Bible says. So I have ceased from my labor to be made right with God, to walk into the promise of God. I've ceased from my labor and I'm resting in the fact that Jesus has finished the work that needs to be done. And now by grace, through my faith, I'm able to walk into this overcoming Christian life where now I can be saved and delivered and healed and set free and I can prosper and I can walk in purpose and destiny and I can overcome, right? Are you with me? So, so the, the, the promised land is kind of a type and shadow of this overcoming Christian life. How many, since we're going to live this life, wouldn't you like to live it in the overcoming lane instead of the overcome lane? And so Jesus has paid, listen, that we can overcome, right? Even overcome the enemy. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They overcame. We're supposed to overcome. And so, and so then go on to chapter four. I never stop reading when I'm reading the Bible. I never stop at a chapter break because you understand God didn't write the Bible with chapters and verses, right? He wasn't like, you know, talking to the writer of Hebrews and he's writing and he gets this place and like now chapter four. Like one time when Julie and I got married, we had James Earl Jones reads the Bible. It's pretty awesome to have Darth Vader read the Bible to you. <laughs> it's awesome every time when you're in the book of Luke, Luke chapter four. You know, it's awesome. Because it's like, you can't wait to say, Luke, I'm your father. Anyways, it was, 
It was awesome. But anyways, you don't stop reading because he's still in a thought here, right? In fact, verse chapter four starts with this word, therefore, very important word in scripture. When you see a therefore, in other words, I've I've explained all of this to build a foundation so you can understand this. When you see a therefore in the Bible, you should ask yourself, what is it therefore, right? So anyways, um, chapter four, verse one, therefore, Since the promise of entering his rest still stands, that's for us, the overcoming Christian life, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. Oh, I don't want to fall. Who would want to fall short? Like if God has offered, right, this rest of God where I can step into everything that Jesus has paid for by his grace, how many would know, for me, I don't want to fall short of that. But he's saying we could. Now, how how would we fall? For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. Now we're talking about Israel, right? They had the good news that God had a promise for them would drive out their enemies. They had the good news preached to them. But listen, the message they heard was of no value. There's honor because they didn't share the faith of those who obeyed. Do you see what I'm saying? Because they didn't honor it, they couldn't obey it. They couldn't, they couldn't walk in faith. You know, truthfully, unless you really believe the word of God and honor it as a life or death thing, you're not going to have faith and walk in it. I mean, think about this. Israel could, have, Israel could have actually walked into the promised land the first time and could have increased in their faith if they would have just honored the word of God. See, every word from God we hear and have is an opportunity to walk in new dimensions, um, new dimensions of faith. Do you, do you understand that, that there are arenas and areas and dimensions of faith? Let me explain what I mean. In other words, there's this promised land, this rest of God, this overcoming Christian life where Jesus has paid. What has he paid for? Well, he paid for salvation. So that's where we start. By, it's by grace through faith that you've been saved, right? So, so that's, that's awesome. But he's also paid that we can prosper and we can be in health and our souls can prosper, right? Our mind, will, and our emotions, right? He's paid so that we can walk in freedom. He's paid so that our relationships can succeed, that we can be successful and prosper in this land. He's paid so that we can walk in the blessing and the inheritance of the Lord. And all of these are areas where we have to continue applying our faith to walk in them. And I think sometimes we get salvation, we step right across the Jordan into the promised land, and we think that's all that there is. Like the only thing the Bible tells us how to do is get, to get to heaven. But the Bible is not a book about how to get to heaven. In fact, God's plan for you was not to get you to heaven. God's plan for you was to live on the earth and take dominion and subdue it. God's plan for you was to overcome this world. And you know how this wins? Even if you get to heaven for a little while, he brings you right back and you reign with Jesus here. Are you with me? And so for us, we have to learn how to appropriate. My my concern is because we live in a world where we have great doctors and probably no one in here is worried about eating today. Probably none of you are worried about being naked today. Most of you look like you have clothes on. And probably if you got sick today, you could go to the doctor. But my, my concern is, where are you walking in faith today? Because unfortunately, what I've seen with a lot of believers is we wait till the fit hits the shan and then try to find faith in that arena. See, I need to, I need to learn when I'm well how to walk in health. I need to learn when, when the rent's not due how to walk in prosperity. 
right? Are, are you with me? I, I need to learn, you know, before everything crashes, how to walk it. You know, in fact, um, this is kind of a crazy story. I'll tell one on me, but, but um, about, I started this new exercise routine about um, four I don't know, three, two months ago, about two months ago, three months ago, maybe. Um, and it's pretty intense, but you got to understand that's for me because for you, it might not be intense, but for me, any exercise program's intense, right? Like if you have to get up and go to a gym, so, whoa, it's, it's pretty heavy right here, man. Huh. I mean, I've got one well-formed muscle, you know, it's this one right here, right? Um, anyways, um, this is the fork muscle, I think. But anyways, um, and so I started this exercise routine. And so, um, I, and it's nothing crazy. I'm not, you know, I'm not doing like CrossFit or anything because I'm not stupid. Um, but um, <laughs> not for you. It'd be stupid for me to try to do CrossFit. But anyways, but, but this exercise is supposed to do these kettlebell swings. And I don't know if you know what a kettlebell is. It's like a bowling ball with a handle. And so I was supposed to do these kettlebell swings. And so I grabbed this kettlebell, you know, and, and for me, I'm a big boy. So I think I need a big one. Same problem I have at the restaurant. I'm a big boy. Bring me a big plate of food. Um, and so I grab this kettlebell. I start swinging it. You know, I'm swinging this kettlebell. And I start thinking, man, that, my shoulder's really hurting. And so being a wise male, I kept doing what I was doing. I just kept swinging. And, and so then um, I started noticing, man, it's sore. It hurts. And I was telling Julie, I mean, I've been complaining for a month about this shoulder. Like, Julie, God, it hurts. I can't already take my shirt off because I can't reach over. can't pull. I can't lift it above my shoulder. Of course, I'm still going to the gym. I didn't stop working out. I did stop kettlebell swings because they're obviously from hell. And so, <laughs> and so... Um, but this last week, and you know, it got so bad that I started in my mind, and we've kind of talked about this, but I thought, I'm probably going to have to have surgery. Like this thought just, do you know the enemy, the power of faith and agreement works for both kingdoms. And he would love to convince you that you need surgery. And listen, I have nothing against doctors. I thank God for doctors. I, 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 if you go to the doctor, please don't feel condemned. If you take medicine, don't feel condemned. I'm not saying you shouldn't go to the doctor or you shouldn't take medicine. That's not what this is about. This is about walking in the faith we, 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 we profess and learning to walk in faith. Because to me, instead of waiting until I get sick, I want to learn to walk in health. And so like over our family, every night I say, God, I just thank you that the Bible says we have health and healing, right? That, that there's health by by the word of God. And so we have health and he, I declare health over our bodies, right? And, and so I pray that every night, just, you know, even when no one's sick, we pray health over everybody, right? And so I just had this crazy thought, like at the beginning of this week, because that thought would come, like you're probably, probably Tory rotator cuff, gonna have to have surgery. And I just had this crazy thought, what if I applied what I've been preaching? <laughs> crazy idea. Like, I don't know if you know this, I don't get a special thing. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, you know, it'd be nice, but I don't. And I said, what if I, I thought, you know, every time it hurts, I'm just going to speak life over it. And so when I do something that, that hurts, I'm just going to say, you know, guys, thank you by the stripes of Jesus. My shoulder's healed. The Bible says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Now, it's got to be powerful if you can raise a dead body. I'm not dead. I just got a hurt shoulder. And if the same power that raised or the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living in me, the Bible says it gives life 
to my body. So Lord, I was thinking that there's life in this shoulder today. The bones are well, the joint is well, the cartilage is well, the tendons are well, the muscles are well. God, I just think you have life by the power of the spirit today. And so every time, and then every time it hurt and I'd want to hear that, you know, you probably need to go see a doctor. I just, oh, thank God that I'm well and walking in the health and the healing of the Lord that was provided at Calvary by the stripes. The Bible says by his stripes, you were healed. That's in the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? And you know what? It took about four days, but it's almost completely better. Now, it's been hurting for a month and getting worse. And four days of, of exercising my faith to walk in health, and it's better. What, what right now in your life, where are you exercising your faith? Where are you and God partnering to see his power and, and his kingdom and what he's provided in your life? Because my concern is we wait until there's a critical situation when we could have been learning to walk in faith in all of these non-critical situations. Are you with me? When we honor the word of God, we, we increase in faith. Here's the second thing. When we honor the word of God, we can be blessed. So what's the impact of honoring the word of God? Well, faith, here's the second thing. Blessings, Deuteronomy 8 verse 1 says, be careful to obey, that's honor the word. Then you will live and, how many would like to multiply? By the way, that's, that's an Old Testament terminology for blessing. Are you with me? How, let me just, I just want to see if, if I can get any participation. How many would like to be blessed? Okay, most of you, praise God. The rest of you, you're asleep, but that's okay. Look, honoring the word of God. Mark 6, when we talked about Jesus and he said, the prophet's not without honor. Do you realize it said he could do no miracles? Do you know what that means? The fact that the Bible, that Mark actually denotes that, right? Tells us there were people there who needed a miracle. In other words, there were people who needed a miracle, but he couldn't do the miracles. Now, why could Jesus not do the miracles? Because they didn't honor the word. You know, your breakthrough's probably on the other side of honoring a word from God. That's a mic drop, by the way. They won't, they won't let me drop a real one, but... Right, your breakthrough may be on the other side of honoring a word. You know, here's one we don't talk about a lot. This is um, it's in Proverbs... Proverbs 3 and 9 says, honor the Lord with your substance and the first fruits of all your increase. And then your barns will be filled and your vats will burst out with new wine. Isn't it interesting? We want to walk in blessing. He says, here's how you do it. It's talking about the tithe. The first fruit is always the tithe. Honor the Lord with your possessions. How can I honor God? With my possessions. But what happens when I honor God? My barns are going to be filled. And my vats. See, your breakthrough, if like this is probably for someone that needs a financial breakthrough, because I haven't said this, we haven't used this scripture all weekend, even though they had it back there. But here's what God's saying hey, when you honor me, you can expect a breakthrough. But only when you honor me. When you honor my word, you can expect a breakthrough. See, when we honor God, there is there's blessing right? Deuteronomy 28 verse 1. Watch this. Watch the power of honoring God's word. Deuteronomy 28 verse 1 says, if you fully obey, if you fully obey the Lord your God 
and carefully keep all his commands. Do you see that? So here's honoring the word of God. Fully obey, carefully keep. That I'm giving you today, the Lord your God, watch this, will set you high above all the nations of the world. Now, how that, that sounds good to me. Does that sound good to anybody else? Yeah. yeah. Watch. Verse two, you'll experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord. There you go, honor. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children, your crops will be blessed. The offspring, your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit basket will be blessed. blessed. Your bread boards will be blessed. Wherever you go, whatever you do, you will be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter from you in seven the Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord, your God, will bless you in the land he's giving. How many of that sounds good? But where does it come from? Honoring the word of God. Listen, when I honor the word of God, I can expect what the word of God says that I can expect. I can expect to be blessed. I can expect to prosper. I can even expect my fruit bowl, right, to be blessed and my breadboard to be. I don't know what that means, but I'd rather them be blessed than cursed. I like fruit and bread. But I can be blessed everywhere I go. Everything I do can be blessed. Why? When I honor the word of God. We need to understand the power of honoring the word of God. Here's the third thing. So faith and, and, and blessing and then destiny. Destiny, Deuteronomy 8, verse 1. Be careful to obey the commands. There's honor. Then you'll live and multiply. There's blessing. And then watch this. And you will enter and occupy the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. In other words, you'll step into your destiny. You will step into what God's called you to. Like when I honor the word of God, Jeremiah 29 tells me that God has a plan for all of you and that is a good plan. Do you know God only wants good for you? The psalmist said it this way, you are good and do only good. Right, Jeremiah 29, it says he has a good plan for you. God has a good plan for you. He has a, a good destiny for you. It's full of hope. It's full of purpose, full of power. You need to understand God has good things planned for you. Jeremiah 29 says that he'll bring you to an expected outcome. In other words, that's the destiny that God's called you to. Well, how do I get to the destiny that God's called me to? Well, I honor the word of God. Psalm 119, 133 says, guide my steps by your word. So I will not be overcome by evil. Do you see that? Like when I honor the word of God, not only does he direct me in the path I should go, he directs me away from evil. Just by honoring the word of God. Exodus 18, 20, this is Jethro, not one of the clampets. This is Moses' father-in-law. Some of you don't even like, who's Jethro? <laughs> I asked my cousin. <laughs> A different Jethro. Anyways, this is Jethro. This is Moses' father-in-law. But he said, he said, hey, when it comes to Israel, teach them the statutes and the laws. In other words, the word of God. Teach them the word of God. And what, what happens? When you teach them the word of God, they will know the way they must walk and the work they must do. Do you see that? That from the word of God, they'll know how to live in this world and what they're here for. 
what their purpose is. See, we get both of these things from the Word of God. The Word of God teaches me how to live. It teaches me how to do finances, how to do relationships. It teaches me how to manage me. And it teaches me the, the plans and the purpose uh, and the destiny that God's called me to. All of that comes from honoring God's Word. That when I honor God's Word, listen, when I honor God's Word, I'll have faith, I'll be blessed, and I'll walk in my destiny and purpose, the reason that God put me here. That's what David said, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It teaches me the way that I must walk and the work that I must do. That's the impact of honor. But, but here's the second thing you could write down. So what's the issue with honor? Let's talk about the issue of honor. Well, what, what does it mean to honor God's word? Well, to me, it means to value it, to value it, right? That's talking about a priority. That's a place. It means that to me, it's valuable. What's this? Uh, David said this in Psalm 19, verse 10. He says that the word of God is more to be desired than gold and even much fine gold. Now, this guy, uh, this is King David. He was probably, um, the, probably the only person in the Bible that was wealthier than him was Solomon. So this is a guy who had a lot of gold. He set aside all the gold and all the building materials for the temple, Right? And so this is a guy that had wealth. He had, he had all the cars, all the lands. He had the palace. He had everything. And here's what he said. More desirable than all of that is the word of God. More desirable. Like right now, whatever you're seeking, whatever you, you'd love to have a new car, you'd love to have a new house, you'd love to have more money, you'd love to have a new vacation or a new trip or whatever it is, whatever it is that is on your radar, listen to me very carefully. Listen, listen, listen. According to King David, you know what's more important? What's more valuable than that? The Word of God. It's that valuable. And this is a guy that I probably know, right? It's that valuable. It's that valuable. And so what does it mean to value it? And then he goes on to say, more, moreover, by your word, your servant is warned. And in keeping your words, there's great reward. See, when we honor the word of God, it means we give it a high place. We give it the highest place. Like, I don't, you know, if I was a meddling preacher, and, and since I'm not, I'm not going not gonna to be that way. But, you know, you might think about your phone that has the Bible on it and Facebook, which apps use the most? Now, see, I'm not going to say that because I'm not a meddling preacher, and that seems like it's harsh, but it's something that could make you think. Like if I were to follow you around next week, would I see someone that really valued the word of God? Because that's what the issue of honor is, is to place value. So how do we honor the word of God? Well, we honor the word of God by hearing the word of God. In fact, today, hopefully you didn't come to church for a word from Marty. Hopefully you came to church to hear God's word. In fact, you know, when people, and they, it doesn't happen here, but I've heard it different times over the years, church people, you know, well, I'm not getting fed. Well, I'm, you know, just, I don't know. I'm not getting much out of church. My question is, well, what are you putting into it? You know, first of all, when people say, well, I'm not being fed, that's like a super spiritual excuse for being lazy. Like, how old are you? <laughs> like, if some people... <laughs> If some people, you know, the Bible says they don't live by bread alone, but every word that comes out. If some of people approached food the way we approach the word of God, you would starve, slap to death. <laughs> I 
but we, we honor the word by coming to here. You know, when I, when I come to church, this is what, and we pray this way because I do three services a weekend. The worship team, even though they rotate around, they do. And one of the things I'll pray almost every weekend is, God, we don't take any service for granted. They're never the same. God, you want to do something in this service you didn't even do in the last service. You did something else in the last service. And so, God, we don't want to fall in the trap of just doing another service. And see, for you, if I was coming to church, I'd be saying, God, today I'm coming. I'm going to hear a word from you. That word's going to change me, challenge me, transform me. It's going to bring me to a new place in faith. God, today I'm going to be in your presence, hear your Holy Spirit. You know, if you'll wake up praying that, you'll get here before worship starts. Okay, I'll just, I was going on the next thing. Y'all didn't, so anyways, here. But no, we honor God. So what you're doing today is honoring God. Now, if you're on your phone, Facebooking, texting somebody, Instagramming, you're not honoring the word of God. Don't fool yourself. But if you're here and you're hearing the word of God, you're honoring it. It's one of the things that we do to honor the word of God. Something else we do is we study God's word. Study God's word. Now, I don't, I don't know if you know this, but you don't have to be a pastor to study God's word. Like, I think if you are a pastor, you should study God's word. But I think if you're a believer, you should study God's word. And, and can I say something? Can I say something? I'm all for all the devotionals that we have. Thank God for them and the people that write them, right? But, but here's my concern is that when, when we get a devotion and it's just got one little scripture for the day and some good thoughts about it and a little prayer, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Hey, today, God will supply everything you need. You don't have to be in want because he's your shepherd. Now pray this prayer. Dear God, supply all my needs. Amen. That's good. But can I just tell you, that's, that's, just, that's just crumbs. I mean, it's just a little bit of the word, right? I mean, I don't know about you, and, and I can snack a little here and there, but, but I know that at certain times during the day, like I'm going to sit down and have a meal. Like a granola bar is good. It'll get me going in the morning, Right? Right? But there are times I want to sit down and I'd like to have a steak. I'd like to have some filet. Cooked rare to medium rare. Just slightly cooked past moo. Because I want to taste all that flavor. Right? This is how I know you know nothing about steak. You offer me ketchup. Ketchup's for your french fries. If your steak needs ketchup, you killed it. You burn it. It's a burnt offering unto the Lord. It's not steak anymore. It's beef jerky. But do you hear what I'm saying? And, and the Bible says we should study the word of God. In fact, I was raised King James. Paul says this to, to Timothy. It's in 2 Timothy 2, chapter 15. It says, but, but the version I, I grew up, it said this, study to show yourself approved. Talking about the word of God. Study the word of God. Here's the New King James. It says, be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That, that's what we all need to be able to rightly divide. You need to understand how the Bible works from cover to cover. You need to understand scriptures in context and what was, you need to write because it actually speaks to every issue of life, but it doesn't do you any good until you know how to rightly divide it. And you're not going to learn to rightly divide it on one verse a day or 45 minutes a month of hearing me preach. You're going to learn to rightly divide it when you study the word of God yourself. When you read it for yourself, 
chapter by chapter and verse by verse and start figuring out what God is saying in his word. That's good preaching, Pastor. You're doing great. Amen. I believe that. That's a good word right there. That'll help us. You're welcome. That you have to study the word of God. You know, another way we honor the word of God is by obeying the word of God. It's not enough to hear it. I mean, Israel heard the word of God, but because they didn't do what the word says, they didn't inherit the promise. James says this in James chapter one, verse 22, it says, but don't just listen to God's word. You actually have to do what it says. You know, a lot of times when people, you know, go, oh, pastor, take us deep. Give us, oh God, give us more word. Pastor, just, you know, we want, to, we want the deep, we want the meat. And here's what I always want to say. What are you doing with the word you have? Because sometimes I think we fool ourselves into thinking knowing a lot of word is equivalent to maturity when truthfully spiritual maturity is equivalent to doing the word we know. Um, early on in the church, we had a, a gentleman that came to the church and he was a good enough guy, I think. Um, and I just noticed when he came in, he, you know, first thing, I, I was a little bit kind of standoffish at first because anytime someone comes into the church and starts telling me how bad their previous church was, what I know is like in six months, you'll be somewhere else telling them how bad this one is. Um, because the church isn't the problem, but, um, I'm not saying you can't have a bad experience at church, but you understand what I'm saying. Like if first time you meet the pastor, you tell them how bad the other pastor was, there's, you need to pray about that. And so anyways, um, he came in, he said, you know, pastor, I just appreciate you preach the word. You preach the word, pastor. I love the word of God. I love, you know, where I came from. Pastor, I don't even think he knew the word of God. But boy, you know the word. So I was like, oh, okay, okay, that's nice. But every, man, every week is like, Pastor, oh, I love the word of God. You preach the word of God. It's so good to hear the word of God. Oh, I love the word of God, Pastor. Well, over the time I got to know this guy, I played golf with him, you know, that kind of thing. And, and what I started noticing was a little bit perplexing to me because for someone who raved about the meat of the word and want to know the word of God, for a guy who loved the word of God, he sure didn't do any of it. He didn't apply the word of God to his relationships. He didn't apply the word of God to his finances. He didn't apply the word of God to his business dealings. And you know what I thought? I thought this guy, I told Julie, in fact, one time I said, he is the best hearer of the word I've ever met. He loves to hear the word. He just doesn't do any of it. You know the crazy thing about the word of God? It's the application that makes the difference. The word of God will not profit you until you do something with it. And, and unfortunately, we, I watched that whole man's life come apart while he knew the word of God, loved the word of God, heard the word of God, loved to hear the word of God preached. Whole life fell apart. Why did it fall apart? Because he didn't do the word of God. James one twenty two says, don't be hearers only of the word, but be doers also, this, you know, unless you deceive yourselves. In other words, when I hear the word, but I don't do it, I deceive myself because I'll think I'm doing really great because I heard the word, but I'm not really doing the word. So now I'm deceived and I don't even know I'm messed up. How do we honor the word of God? We do the word of God. What does it mean to honor the word of God? It means to take God's word into our heart. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing comes through the word of God. And so, but you need to understand where does faith always come from? It comes from the heart. So hearing the word is more about getting it, not just to my ears, but to my heart. 
that, that honoring God's word means that I'm going to take it into my heart and it's going to become life to me. That's Proverbs 4. His words are life to those who find them and healing for all of their flesh, right? It's going to become the way. Here's what God said. Don't live by bread alone. Live by the word of God. Here's my question. Are you living by the word of God? Have you taken it to heart and said, this is a way that we're going to live? Are you out here saying, what's well, a good divine suggestion, you know, for holy people? All for those Christian people, you know, they can quote this stuff. I don't really know what it means or what it does. Or have I captured this concept that everything that I'll ever encounter in life, there is a word from God for it in his book and I can pull it in and take it to heart and it will really change what's going on in my life. Honoring God's word means taking, uh, Jesus said this in Matthew 15, verse eight. It says, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They honor me with their lips. By the way, do you know who he's talking about? Church people. That, that's who he's actually referencing in that passage. They honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. See, honor isn't about what we say. It's not even about what we do. It's about what we do from the heart. It's about taking, it's an issue of the heart. What is the issue of honor? It is the issue of the heart. See, honor doesn't just mean that I do something. Honor means that it has become a way that I live. I've taken it into my heart and I'm saying, this is how I'm gonna live. I'm gonna live by the word of God. What does God's word say about relationships? What does God's word say about finances? What does God's word say about freedom? What does God's word say about uh, honoring your boss? What does God's word say about working? What does God's word say? And you, you can go there because his word speaks to everything. And I'm going to live by what his word says. I was in a church one time where a gentleman said this, I know what the word of God says, but that's not what I'm going to do. And man, that will convict us. But here's my question. What do you know the word of God says that you're not doing? Oh, dang. Did he just say that? Shots fired. Because that's what it means to honor the word of God. See, the Bible says the word of God is life. We said that in Proverbs 4, but Deuteronomy 11, God says this, today I set before you, listen to this language. Today I set before you blessing and cursing. Life and death. A blessing if you obey the word of God and a curse if you don't. So you don't understand not doing the word of God is not neutral. See, we think, well, if I really want to do the word of God, I can get that blessing. But if I don't do that, no, 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 no. He didn't say there's like blessing and then the gray area of neutral and then cursing. Well, that's in the Old Testament. So you're telling me God doesn't care if you do his word anymore? I thought he couldn't change. Sometimes we got to, you know, sometimes we love to say God doesn't change when we're needing something. But when it comes down to, well, you know, not doing his word, blessing, curse, well, you know, God, that's not, that's not that way anymore. Hmm. Sounds like you got a bipolar God. So... <laughs> But he said, I said before you bless and curse, at least a blessing if you do the word of God and a curse if you don't do the word of God. Do you know your life is limited by the word of God that you know and by the word of God that you do? 
Your life will be limited by the word of God that you do. And that's really the whole message in one sentence. And, and, and I don't, for me, I don't think ignorance is a good excuse. I think we need to know. We need to study to show ourselves approved. A workman who can rightly divide the word of truth. Because I don't think ignorance is a good argument when we're living in this world and it's really life and death. And I think honoring the word of God really is life and death. It is life to those who find it. Well, what is it to those who don't? The reciprocal must be true too. Um, let me give you one more scripture. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is inspired by God. That means it's God breathed. God breathed the Bible. That's how we got it. And it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. And it corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. And God uses it to prepare and equip his people for every good work. Here's what I'm trying to say is that the impact of God's word is extraordinary. It gives us faith and blessing and destiny. But God's word, until it's honored, until it's, until it's taken into the heart, until we set out to apply it, till we set our hearts to know God's word and to live God's word. We don't live by bread. We live by the word of God. This is the life of the believer. From word to word to word, no matter what you're going through today, you should have a word from God about what you're dealing with today. And if you don't, you can get one. That's how you live by the word of God. Well, today I'm struggling in this area. I'm, I'm depressed. Okay, well, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And he said he would prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. That's your emotions. Today, you don't have to be ruled by your emotions, but you can walk in the light and the love and the life of God. Whatever you're going through, you should have a word from God and live from word to word to word. That's what it means to live by the word of God, that every day we are walking and honoring God's word and we are seeking to understand and find and know it. And then we are living our lives by what it says. How foolish would it be to say we have faith in God God, but we don't know his word and we don't live by his word because we don't know his word. We've got to reconcile those two and say, if I'm a believer, I live by the word of God. I will do what it says. I will be who it says I am. I have what it says I have, right? And I will live the life that it calls me to. I will live by the word of God. Yes. 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 Why don't you stand?